All right, uh, welcome to the Polluted Minds podcast. Today's guest has over 200 film and TV credits, 250 commercials, many voiceover credits. He's an amazing artist and actor, Larry Cedar. How you doing, man? Hi. <laughs> I'm okay. Good to see you as always. Good to see you, man. Here we all are trying to to navigate these pandemic waters for two years now. Right. And see if we can maintain our sanity and our somehow motivation as artists. Um, it's just been wild. But, but I say this to everybody. It's strangely, maybe I've said this to you. We are sort of well-equipped for this sort of thing because our lives are so... Um, such a roller coaster, and we never know what's next, and we always have to adapt. That, in a way, you know, we kind of were prepared. I mean, fortunately for us, unfortunately for other people, we don't have regular jobs that suddenly got closed down or whatever, and we just did what we always do, which is adapt. Yep. So, I guess there are some advantages to yeah kind of the way we do things you know yeah i agree uh i said that to a couple of people because like my work life did not change throughout that if anything i actually i got more work through this and it was more like people that i work with finally understand how i've been working for years <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's right so yeah that's right and i don't know i mean we can't control what's happening in the world but we can control what happens in our little world you know and yeah. Well, you and I are similar in many ways, and we've discovered that over the years. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you and I never can do is sit still. Right. If there's a space in the universe, we rush to fill it, uh, and that means creatively or otherwise. And I've always got projects I'm working on. I know you've always got projects you're working on. Mm -hmm. And that, if I didn't have those things, I'd lose my mind. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I say this. You know, I, I. I you know, I have these one-man shows. And so I'm constantly memorizing, constantly working on just huge swaths of literature and memorizing them. And, right. and I turned to my wife the other day and I said, am I nuts? Am I crazy? What am I doing? And I have this compulsion to do this. And she says, well, is it keeping you sane? And I said, that's the only thing that's keeping me sane is these projects. And she says, no, you're not nuts. You're, you're doing what you need to do. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. Okay, so hold up. So let's start from there, actually. Or how would you introduce yourself to somebody who doesn't know you? Well, it, it depends if they know, if they understand creativity or not. If I meet doctors and lawyers, it's very difficult. And I meet them at, you know, family functions or whatever. And it is difficult to explain to people who have regular jobs and, pro, 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 you know, professionals mm -hmm. uh, and to get a certain natural kind of respect and, and recognition in society. It is difficult to understand what I do uh, because to be perfectly honest, I spend a lot more time not working than I do working. Uh, I spend a lot of time pursuing work but the amount of days I actually work and get paid for is just minimal. And it's crazy to someone who says, well, how do you conduct your life? I said, well, you just kind of figure it out. It's the vagabond's game. It's what we do. And so if I was to say to someone, let's say, who'd never uh, knew nothing about the creative field, I would say, I'm an actor. My job is to take television, film, uh, voiceover roles that people have created or written and bring them to life. I'm, I'm there to communicate their ideas, their materials, whatever that might be, adapt to whatever they need and try to bring that character to life. I'm a bit of a chameleon. And what I'm good at is finding where I fit in any given project and hopefully getting paid for it because they need my services and that's how I make a living. If I was talking to someone in the creative field, I'd say, well, you know the creative fields, you know what you do. Uh, I'm that division of the creative world that basically uses my body, my voice, my personality as an instrument to further creative projects along. Mm -hmm. There are the people that shoot the film. There are the people that write the film or television or whatever. And then I'm the kind of the living, breathing entity that 
brings it to a sort of new reality. That's where I fit in. And I'm sort of the last to the game in a way. Mm. Uh, everyone, Everything's been done before I get there. Sometimes I feel kind of stupid because I'm sitting around waiting for projects to emerge. I don't create the projects, but when they're there, if they want me, I will give them everything I have right. to help them bring that thing to fruition. So that's what I do creatively um, on a very personal level. I just work constantly to improve what it is I do to perfect and understand it. It's basically impossible to completely understand the process of acting, but I do the best I can on a daily basis, including working on my own projects which demand that I invest time and energy into the communication of ideas and materials and understanding my own body and how I work. So again, so that I'm more able to give people what they need. Mm -hmm. So it's a strange, it's a strange profession, but I know it's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I try not to question it too much because it rarely makes sense. And yet it is what I do. And I know that on an instinctive level. So, yeah. And and you, you are a true artist for me. Like there are actors out there that are just actors. You know what I mean? Like there are mm -hmm. some. I wouldn't say every actor out there is an artist. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but you are definitely one of those where I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's an artist. Like you, because li like you said, there's so many similarities between you and me like for a real artist creativity isn't an option like it's something that you have to do you know uh and it's always like there's always the next creative thing like you don't sit back and think like oh i've done this this is amazing and now i can just chill and and i'm the same way like it's always about the next thing and and not because you want everybody to see it, but it's something you do for you mainly in, in, in the first place. And yeah, and it just has to get out. And that's why. Yeah. yeah. Well, firstly, thank you, because the greatest compliment anyone can pay me is to call me an artist. That's what I aspire to be. And if you see me as that, I'm very complimented. Um, so thank you. Um, and then the other thing you said, which struck me is that, yeah, I don't ever think about who's going to see it. It's strange. Like I do these projects and I've produced several of them with my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, we put them on stage. Some we've made into little movies. And the ones I'm going to work on next, as soon as the pandemic clears, we're not sure exactly. But I never think, how many tickets am I going to sell? Exactly. How many people are going to see this? I do this because it's like oxygen to me. Yep. And when I'm not doing that, I feel very, very sad and bad. And um, and I realize now, you know, that as I get older, these things I've created will be my lifeblood. I will know that I have them in me, that I've done them. And I will, I will hold on to them and they will sustain me and my sense of being in, in the universe because I know what I've done and who I am. Uh -huh. That fulfillment, that creative fulfillment, you have it. It's also, it's a compulsion, a compulsion to create. Yep. Um, you know, my daughter is a painter and, and it, it's, it's always interesting to me because she'll go a stretch where she hasn't painted anything and she'll be very antsy and kind of unhappy. And she goes, I should be painting. I should be painting. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. And she just goes through this terrible kind of tortured process until she starts to paint. Then she'll start on a painting and she's completely calm. Mm -hmm. She's painting. She creates these giant paintings, small, everything. And if you look at her, she's a different person because she's reached a point where she could start to do what she sh needs to be doing. Right. And it's completely fulfilling for her. It's the same kind of thing. Now, as far as what I do with these shows, and these are, these are hour shows, uh, hour and a half shows, and I'm determined to never forget any of them. So I'm, I'm running them all the time. I want them in me. Mm -hmm. um, um, I look at it. I can't be a concert pianist. I'll never be a concert pianist, but I love classical piano. Mm -hmm. And I look at these people playing these thousands and thousands of notes with such perfection and such passion. I think, well, this is my, this is my concerto. Uh, I want to learn it. I want to know it. I want to own it. 
Yeah. And I want to have it pass through me. These we're fortunate because to have Beethoven's notes pass through you, mm-hmm. in my case, it's Kafka, Dostoevsky, and Orwell, to have these words pass through you is, it's like it's like an infusion of some powerful, powerful drug. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing quite like it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it's an addiction of sorts for me. Yeah. You know. You do memorize the whole place and the whole books and stuff like that, right? I now have in my head, I can show you the book if you want. Uh-huh. Um, A collection of pieces by uh, Orwell, Dostoevsky, and Kafka. Oh. Uh, the ODK, mm-hmm. Orwell, Dostoevsky, and Kafka, totaling mm-hmm. about. This isn't the only thing I've memorized, but their work about fifty thousand words. Holy shit! And uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy, and yet having it in me, it completely sustains me. Mm-hmm. Having it in me and knowing that I could do the show tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, there's. It completely sustains me. It's almost like so. a mantra in a way. Yeah, it's almost like a. It's almost like a, oh, pray. people pray. They they mm-hmm. have the Bible. They have the the Quran. Whatever it is, they have. Mm-hmm. I always wanted something like that in my life, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I've I've worked hard to achieve it. And along the way, I've questioned the sanity of it because I thought, am I going to turn around one day and say, what a waste of time? But that hasn't happened. And the closer yeah. I get to knowing it perfectly, to where I can wake up and just say it, the happier it makes me. So yeah. I continue. No, I get that. I'm, I was such a terrible student in school, like to the point that I had, like, I grew up thinking I was stupid just because I was so bad at sc- in school. And sure, but it was always because there was something more interesting in my in my head, you know. And and also my con my head is constantly working on stuff, and it's like it runs in the background, so it's not even hard. So and I, and I mean, you know that like the projects that I write are things that I had in my head for years. And then just when I think the time is right to write them down, because I never forget ideas, good ideas, I don't forget. And um, it w- so it's it's kind of weird because in school I sucked, but then I'm, I have like these entire stories, but in my head they are real, you know? So that's did what- I Did I send you that monologue? Was it you I was talking to? There's a character called Trigorin out of a, a Chekhov play. Mm. And he talks about, he's a writer and how tortured he is because he constantly has like a, a like a boulder turning over in his head, rolling mm-hmm. in his head, looking for ideas. Hmm. And then he'll find something and he'll write it down. But if this sort of like constant tortured process, well, that's what you remind, I'll send you the monologue. That's yeah. what it reminds me of. Yeah. And you know, of course, how many times have you heard of, of famous people uh, who were very skilled at something and ultimately became huge successes that mm-hmm. talk about how bad they were in school yeah. because they were bored. It exactly. was just too slow for them. Yep. They were way past you know, whatever grade they were in. Mm-hmm. And and so the teacher would look at them like, did you get what I said to you? And you go like, no, I was already like out of school and into college right. and producing my own movie. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect sense, you know. It was, it was kind of interesting because it was even accepted in school. Like people knew, even my teachers, they were like, oh, Daniel worked on music until like 4 a.m. That's why he isn't here today, you know? So it was almost uh-huh. accepted where I was like, that's crazy in a way, but... I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm well, glad. I mean, the greatest thing teachers can do is recognize your talent. It, mm-hmm. it, the great, your favorite teachers, I'm sure, my favorite teachers were the ones that said, "I see what you have to offer. You're not. Yeah. You have something special." Mm-hmm. And and they encouraged you to do that. Yeah. And and then there were other teachers who said, like I had also had teachers when I told them I wanted to be an actor, who said, "Are you nuts? Mm-hmm. What a stupid life. Mm-hmm. You you know you're this close to getting. I got into law school actually. That was you just you're this you're this close to starting law school and you're going to throw that all away Whoa. to be an actor. Yeah. I mean, they really, and the, the, the great thing was fortunately for me, because I was pretty insecure like most kids, but fortunately for me, well, I wasn't a kid, I was in college. 
I heard that as a challenge mm-hmm. and I got mad mm-hmm. and I said, well, guess who's going to prove who wrong yep. now? And le- years later, this woman who said that to me showed up uh, after a show I'd done. Uh, and she was kind of like uh, begrudgingly uh, complimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very scary to people who have a, a more kind of traditional line to see people acquire the freedom that you and I have. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I think the only reason you and I can take the risk we have, because it's, it's a, it's a, a leap off of a bridge. There's right. no guarantees. It's because we're so passionate about it. Yep. We're not necessarily courageous, but we have no choice. Right. Whereas other people, um, either they're not courageous enough, which is can't be faulted. I'm scared all the time. Or they don't have enough passion to make them take that risk. Mm-hmm. So you and I are lucky in that we are uh, tortured by our, our passion. We have no choice. Even yep. though it's crazy, yep. we have to do it. Yeah. And um, I'm sure like you, like I have quit this profession a thousand times mm-hmm. because it was the stupidest thing. Why am I pursuing what is clearly a dead end mm-hmm. or makes no sense? And yet something told us, damn it. No, I can't. I right. can't give this yep. up. This is everything to me. So we're lucky. We're lucky. I agree. And I, th- I think, yes, there are always days where you question what you do. But I think the fact that we convince ourselves that no, this is the only way for us is exactly proof for that you know and uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. thank fuck that you didn't become a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> well oddly i i've i've sat in courtrooms and oddly thought i see the appeal i see why it appealed to me on some level because there's mm-hmm. a certain theatricality for sure i would have liked being maybe a trial lawyer but uh, yeah that aspect of it alone but a lot of lawyers aren't too happy mm-hmm. um, especially if it's not what they really want to do now if you want to be a lawyer and you burn to be a lawyer god bless you i for think sure. it's fantastic absolutely but if you're yeah i mean if if your heart lies elsewhere, it will be torture. Yeah. You were born in LA, so, right? Born and raised in LA in the San Fernando Valley town called Pacoima, which is North Valley. Okay. Uh, if you've ever heard of the singer Richie Valens, yeah. La Bamba. Uh-huh. So he he was born and raised in, in Pacoima. So that's that's where I grew up in that neighborhood. And then uh, I met and married an uptown girl uh, from Encino. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved up. Yeah. I moved up in the world. Oh, yeah. No, but I went to you. I went to UC Davis and I went to UCLA and then I got into law school out of UCLA and then realized I didn't want to do that mm-hmm. and applied to acting school, got in and that was it, you know. What was your first paid acting job? I can tell you exactly. I got signed to a contract with Universal uh, Studios, so a development contract, it was one of the last. They don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they, you became like a company player. And, you know, at the time my agent said, listen, you're just starting your career, can't hurt you, it's for one year. What's the worst case scenario? You become a movie star in a year and they own you, mm-hmm. you know, so what? Then they'll have to renegotiate. So I said, great. So they had an on-lot agency who handled your auditions and they set you up for auditions on the lot with universal projects. Wow. That's all you did for a year. Uh, and so I got a pilot and this is going to sound really funny, but it was called Friends. This is in 1978. It wasn't the Friends, mm-hmm. but it was a pilot called Friends oh, okay. about these two yeah. rock musicians who try to make it, you know, uh, as writers. It, it was Stanley Tucci and Daryl Daryl Fetty, I think. Mm-hmm. And I got that job and um, had a great time. And then I subsequently got a bunch of Disney films, little movies of the week. Uh, you know, Disney used to have a Sunday night movie. Right. I got a couple of those and started getting commercials and 
you know, things rolled from there. That's, you know? that's awesome, dude. You have, you have such an amazing career. And I know like for all the great things we do, there are at least 10 times as many times w that we fucked up essentially. Mm -hmm. But that just like speaks for you because like, well, you have so many. Oh, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's always when I, when I talk about you and I'm like, oh, I'm going to shoot something with Larry. They're like, what was he in? I'm like, he was in fucking everything. Like there's so many things that you've seen. <laughs> like <laughs> it's true. Like just yesterday, actually, I was talking to my friend Greg about you and he's like what what would I know him from and then I just pick something that I know these people would know you from and Greg my friend Greg is a creature designer and uh, uh -huh. oh so yeah I'm like so he was the gremlin on the wing in the um, the Twilight Zone movie like a f iconic scene that was like there were parodies and on the Simpsons and all that shit and I'm like and he was also a creature in Constantine the the cricket creature and uh, Yeah. He, he's like, oh shit, okay, so I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's funny, I, I've never been one of those actors that wanted to be known for being Larry Cedar. I wanted to be known for my characters. Mm -hmm. And when people don't recognize me or know what I did, you know, uh, the only reason it's a disadvantage is because it's harder to get indoors right. uh, in, in auditions. But, but on a personal level, I love it. I mean, the, again, when people tell me, Oh, that was you? I didn't recognize you. Mm -hmm. you were, your character was so... I, I love that because that's what I try to do is disappear into my characters. I'm not looking to be famous for this. I'm looking right. to be famous for the character that somebody wrote. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's interesting. You say I've done a lot, but not many people know who I am. Um, I mean, actors understand who I've met and know, but, but that's kind of the way I like it. Although, like I said, the advantage of fame, and you know this from your end, is once you've established something and you have a name, it's just so much easier to open doors. Right, absolutely. You know, people will like, you look at your scripts, they'll, they'll green light your pictures. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've done s such amazing work, such amazing work for so many years. Thank you. And, you know, it's just to convince people to take you seriously if you don't have name recognition right. is, is the, the puzzle of this business, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I get so mad sometimes because movies come out lately and God bless any actor who becomes so famous that they're just sending them scripts all the time. I mean, that's what we all want. But I'll come out, there'll be another movie with George Clooney or another movie with, you know, so-and-so. And I say, is this, like a, a, is this like a company of actors that they're the only ones that are allowed to be in movies? Right. Because we want to see faces and not think, oh, that's George Clooney. I want to see the character. Absolutely. I don't want to see the celebrity. I watched something, I started to watch something the other day. Oh, it was um, The Tender Bar. Um, I think George Clooney directed it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's it's a you know it's well made. Right. But every time you know Ben Affleck came up, I go, oh, well, there's Ben Affleck. I wonder how Jennifer. And it is. pulls you out. You know, you, you just, yeah. it pulls you out of the film, and he does a great job. Mm -hmm. But it just kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. there's those two levels of this business. There's the actual work business, and then there's the celebrity game. Right. And some people like material and work because they want to see Ben Affleck in another movie, mm -hmm. and some people like it because they want to see a good movie. You know, yeah, so, I, I agree. Know. Most most movies I like is usually there's usually a cast of people that you don't know, and because yeah, that that's just more interesting to me. Or like you know, I like to work with people that I already know and trust. Mm -hmm. I want to recommend a movie to you. Yeah, uh, it's called Old Henry. Have you heard about Old Henry? No. You're gonna dig this film, and I'm dying to tell you the plot, but I don't want to give you any spoilers okay. i'll write it because uh, right there's now. a nice there's there's some wonderful things about this that will surprise you mm -hmm. but it's with this actor oh shit now i gotta remember his name but he's my kind of actor mm -hmm. because it, like sam sam rockwell's kind of that kind of oh actor yeah too. they awesome. just disappear he's right. just so into the role and i was totally caught up in this story i forgot i was watching a movie that rarely happens these days mm -hmm. and tim tim 
Nelson something. He was in um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Or, uh, I he think, a, yeah, I, I, I'm spacing on the name, but I think I know who you're talking about. Um, anyways, he, he's so good in it. And I go, that's the career I want. Yeah. I just want to do films that I don't care who sees them, but when they see them, they just go, I was just taken away. I was just taken into that world. I don't know. I forgot I was watching a movie. Yeah. So hard to achieve. So hard to achieve. You know that. Uh, yeah. You Especially know? nowadays. I don't know. What would you like? Because that, that interests me. What would you like directors to give you or let you do that most directors don't? You know what I mean? Like when you come on set and then the director's like, I want you to do this, this and that. But are there any things from like an actor's standpoint to be like, I wish a director would let me do this thing? Well, you, you, the key word you said there is let. Um, the difference between directors I've loved working with and mm -hmm. directors that I didn't like so much working with is the directors I didn't like so much working with never considered my instincts. Mm -hmm. They had an idea okay. and they wanted you to execute that idea. Mm -hmm. They wanted to put you in that, in that format and they didn't really care what you had to offer. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with a handful. Most directors aren't like that. Most directors are curious and hopefully you'll bring something. Right. Um, and a lot of times it was a shame because I had an instinct, which I wasn't allowed to try, which might've worked for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe they got what they wanted, but it wasn't a satisfying experience for me. Again, ultimately that doesn't really matter how satisfying it is to me. It's their movie. Right. So you got to give them what they want. And I respect every director mm -hmm. because they're in charge and they're trying to create this vision. So if that's what they want, I'll do it. But yeah. I don't enjoy it as much. My favorite directors, <laughs> we're going to be working next week. I feel funny telling you this. <laughs> You're this way anyway, is they just say, Okay, here's what we're kind of looking for. What do you think? Right. Let's you want to try let's try something. How's yep. this? And then the director goes, "Maybe if you did this." I go, "Yeah." And then I say, "What if I did this?" And they go, "Yeah," or "No, no, no." Yep. And there's a kind of collaborative thing going on because I think uh, it's that old thing about Michael Michelangelo, uh, you know, they said this the sculptor was in the block and all he had to do was cut away everything that wasn't mm -hmm. the sculpture. It's in there. Yeah. The kernel of truth that we're all trying to achieve. The director, the actor, everyone, we all want to get to the truth of the scene. It already exists in the universe. Right. This story already exists. Absolutely. We just have to get out of our own freaking way and find it. Yep. So together, I'll use my instincts, you use your instincts. Um, you know, I'm coming from a place of as an actor, how I feel with this other actor, how are we connecting? How do I feel the room? You as a director are coming from what do I see? Mm -hmm. What do I see? What am I hearing? Uh, does that work? Am I getting what I need? So we're all coming at from this our individual perspective. And I love when everyone acknowledges and respects each other's um, yeah. craft and you find it together. It's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, we did that scene. It's the last time I worked with you in that restaurant. Yeah. Uh, with, where uh, I was the agent. Yeah. That was solitary. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's exactly what we did. It's been a while, but I, I remember really yeah. enjoying it. And I remember I sat down and we ran the lines and we kind of started to find the scene mm -hmm. and you would come in here and there and go like, yeah, maybe this, uh, okay, good, good, good. Right. Or maybe a little bit less this, maybe a little bit. And you just kind of like you were, you were in our heads yeah. kind of guiding us as we found this yeah. route. Yeah. And then the scene takes over exactly. and then you just do it. Yeah. And yeah. you get your coverage. You keep, you know, yeah. And that's, that's what I like. Yeah. And that's what I like when I work with actors and it can throw some actors off because they're like, hold, hold up. He didn't give me any direction, but I'm like, At first, I don't want to give direction because the actor already thought about it. So why would I come in and fuck that up? When I, I first want to see what is your interpretation of that? Like maybe that's way better than what I can come up with. And then we can kind of fine tune it and get to something completely different. And yeah, yeah and I imagine that's the scariest thing for directors when they cast an actor, because if you're a good director, you know that there's a, a certain amount of unknown. There's mm -hmm. an unknown right. entity 
that you just can't know until you start working on the scene. Yep. So you cast an actor and you go, God, I don't know how I saw the audition. The audition was great. We cast mm-hmm. him, but I don't really know in that magical moment what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you, I imagine for you, it's a little scary because it's your film and they're a component and you're hoping that component works. Right. Um, there's levels of responsibility in this business. I, I heard an expression someone said once, we are all equal. Mm-hmm. It's just that some people have more responsibility than others. Right. And I thought, that really does make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm equal to Steven Spielberg. We're both human. Absolutely. But his level of responsibility is mm-hmm. through the roof. Yeah. The amount of people he's responsible for yeah. paying, hiring, directing, organizing. And that's what makes him a great man. Yeah. Is that he's capable of handling that. Now, I, I get mad at myself sometimes because I think, oh, wow, I picked a profession where I'm only responsible for myself. You know, how selfish mm-hmm. and, and how, how kind of like narrow is that? Right. But I go, that's me. I And, and hopefully that's of use to somebody. Right. Uh, but I, that's how I see it. I see directors as having much more responsibility than me. So I have to respect that. I can't say, no, no, here's what I want to do. Right. No, no. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, it's all a puzzle and we are all a piece of it. And each I, piece. I, I know exactly what you mean. Dude, later this year, we've known each other for a decade. We met in 2012. Wow. I just, wow. Uh, I just realized that, that it was uh, the first year I came to the States and Really? That was the first year you yep. come to the States? Look yep. at how you look how you so quickly got in on a production. I mean, that's that's that was a full-on film. You were working at mm-hmm. the heart of it. I yeah. mean, that's amazing. It was it was super random, but yeah, it was uh yeah. It, it's I don't know, man. I'm you know, nothing in life happens without a reason. You know, everything has a point and everything was meant to be that way. So Well, I say I always say you get a lot further in life saying yes than no. Absolutely. And if things come along, even if they don't necessarily make sense, mm-hmm. You know, it's like like your project. You know, mm-hmm. you say yes, just say yes. Mm-hmm. Now, with your project, I expressed my reservations, mm-hmm. uh, which you 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 know you seem to feel otherwise, and I'm going to go with your trust and your instinct. Right. But ge- generally speaking, like when I said when I said no initially to your project, I felt very bad, mm-hmm. and I felt not just because I want to work with you, or because I'd let you down, but because it. It goes against my instincts to say no mm-hmm. to creative opportunities. Yeah. And usually when you're saying no, it's because you're scared or, or something like that. And I realized, yeah, but more than that, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fuck up your scene. Nah. I mean, this is a big deal for you. And, and I know, you know, I looked at the script and I said, okay, this is what he wants in his scene. And we don't need to go into it now. But no, we can. We I just can. Said that I, because I respect no, the I just, shit I, out of it. <laughs> well, thanks. But I, I just, I, I've, You'll somewhere if you do your research, you'll find me on camera on a show called Strong Medicine, uh-huh. crying my eyes out. Uh-huh. The one job I've ever gotten where I out and out cried out, and right. I got it. I did the audition. Somehow I cried at the audition and thought, "Shit, please don't cast me." And then they cast <laughs> me. So I said, "Now I got to do it again." And then I got to do it in 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 the in the close in the two mm-hmm. shot. Then I got to. And I'm thinking, I'm so bad at this, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I didn't. I didn't even enjoy it. I mean, if that's what acting was, I wouldn't be an actor. Right. It's just not something I pursue. So we get down to the set, and uh, somehow I twist myself, my mental, emotional being, into a pretzel and get myself to do it again and again. And I get. It. I get through the damn day, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, thank God, mm-hmm. that was horrible. I never want to do that again. It was a good scene. Then I see it on TV, and I go, I look ridiculous. Okay. I look like I was just. Yeah. Right, I was just right, like, right. Oh my. God, I yeah. said I never want to do that again. If I <laughs> if it's not natural for me, right? If I don't want to screw up a director, I don't want to, you know. So that's why I said that because yeah. I have track record. Yeah, um, it's not to say I couldn't get them. You know, I've been emotional in scenes, mm-hmm. but 
if someone's looking, and there are times when people say specifically, this is the second time this happened to me. Another director just said it was in his script, a short film, a guy named Charlie Charlie Piper. You mm-hmm. should know this guy. He thinks like you do. And he gave me tears and tears. I said the same thing, Charlie. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said like you. Don't worry about it. It's not about the tears. <laughs> right, right, right. And we and we did it, and it was it was fine, you know. But I yeah. It's, it's it's a real it's my Achilles heel. I want to give the listeners some context. So I so Larry and I were shooting something next week, and I sent him a scene. And I trust my intuition. My intuition is my superpower. <laughs> you know, I do <laughs> I do everything based on that. So yeah. so I sent Larry the scene, and he's he hit me up, and I respect that so much. And when I when I got that email, I wasn't mad or anything because I was like I'm like dude, wh- like whatever. But like so he sent me an email saying. Daniel, I've known you for so many years and I owe you nothing but being honest. And I don't think I'm the right actor. It's not on my acting DNA. And I and and what was cool, you even sent me somebody, you're like, hey, my friend, sorry, I'm spacing on his name. Um, Kevin. Would, Kevin would be perfect for this. I already talked to him for you, which is so fucking cool of you. And then I looked at Kevin, I was like, yeah, that's not him. <laughs> and, and then, and I told Larry, I was like, you know what? I respect that if you don't want to do it, it's totally fine. But I know, here's the thing how I operate when it comes to things. I know how they're supposed to be when they're done. It sounds like time travel for me, but that's how it is. And I 100%- no, That's why you're a director. And, and I 100% rely on that now more than ever before in my life, you know? So, and I know, I'm like, nah, it's, it's Larry. So when you, when you send me that, I was just like, nah, nah it's Larry, <laughs> you know? So I wasn't, well, even, I wasn't even stressed about it. I wasn't even like, oh shit, now I have to find a new actor or whatever. I'm like, well, it'll work out, <laughs> you know? And I don't know, and it will. Well, I, I, again, I'm trusting your judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've always just steered me right in mm-hmm. terms of our, whatever we've worked on and I've seen your work. So, but I just wanted you to be warned and, 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 and not, not that I won't try my best in the scene. Obviously I want this scene to work Right. and whatever happens, happens. I just wanted to give you that opportunity to, uh, uh, get what you need out of the scene. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, Kevin and I have talked about this because we're good friends, and he teaches as well. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot about the challenges of acting. And he says he, uh, this guy, he nearly died from um, leukemia, so oh, he's sure. come back from that, and he's fully, fully clear in remission and everything. Mm-hmm. But this guy's been through a lot. He's an amazing right. person, and he just said to me, "Later, I can, I can cry at the job of a hat." You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I just have it in me. I said, right. "I can understand why," mm-hmm. and that's great for you. And um, so I just, you know, he could, and it would right, be good. Right. And if you change your mind <laughs> next week, nah. it's fine with me. No, but I do like be... the scene very much. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I told you because, like, I don't know. I just know you're the guy for that. And even if you're now, we're talking about a scene that we're about to see about uh, show uh, shoot, but whatever. Um, even if you're just numb, it would also be working. I, I've watched movies, and you know, of course, as an actor, I always watch movies mm-hmm. with an eye to the actor and how are they doing and what are they doing. And sometimes you'll see something, and go, oh, that's so, I've learned so much from that performance. And and I'll see sometimes actors, and I can tell on the set they push themselves to to get the tears and get all emotional. And I always feel as an audience member, I go, hang on a second, I'm supposed to be feeling the emotion. I'm the audience. Right. Quit working so hard to show mm-hmm. me you know how to do it. So it's not always it's not always effective. You know what? You and I will discover on Saturday, as I said, what mm. this scene is. Yeah. Could be tears, Absolutely. could be laughter, could be numb. Yeah. We will find out. As yeah. they say, there's the scene you uh, write. What is it? What is the expression? There's the scene you write, there's the scene you shoot, and there's the scene you edit. Mm-hmm. 
And so you write a scene thinking it's this, then right. you get on the set and it's something else, then you go to edit it and it's something else. Yep. So these things evolve, but you know how I work mm -hmm. and I think we're gonna have a great time. Who's the, who's the actress? Chelsea Edmondson, she's the best actress I know. So, and that's why also that combination is just gonna be fucking magic. I know that. Yeah, um, okay, she, I, she, I totally believe you. She was also in Solitary, she played the other girl. Oh yeah, the waitress? No. No, her friend. Yeah, tall. The friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. She's so, great. Yeah, she's amazing. amazing. She was just on, okay. on uh, Army of the Dead on Netflix and stuff like that. So, great. yeah. Great, so, great, great. so, I just know that, like, you two together in a scene is going to be fucking magic, man. Well, you, thank you. But you know how it works with these things. We've already started. Right. That, absolutely. Yeah. It's already in our heads. We've read yeah. the scene. It's the the... the what does it call it? The gestation, is that the word? I don't know. Uh, when it, when, when, uh, gestation is when an egg, you know, um, there's an egg and then it begins to turn into a chicken and then it turns into, you know, mm, okay. the gestation period, the birthing period has right. already started. Yeah. Once you once you have the scene in your head, once you're thinking about it, once you know who the other actor and actresses are, once you know the director, we've all already begun working on the scene. Right, absolutely. That's the crazy, it's what I love about this process. Mm -hmm. It's that like a, a, a switch is flipped. Yeah. Once the pieces are in place and it starts to like a self-coagulating uh, organism come mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And if you just allow that to happen and even the frustrations on the set of not being able to find the scene or, mm -hmm. or whatever happens is the scene. Yeah. And the, the greatest acting teacher I had who's since passed on Roy London used to say that you guys, we're just passengers. Mm -hmm. We're just passengers. Yeah. And we're hopping on and we're taking a ride. Uh, this, this roller coaster's, has been going since before time and will keep going after you're gone. You're just hopping on, riding that current. Yep. So get out of its freaking way, give what you have to give, yeah. and then get out and move on to the next. Yeah. So again, you and I, we so so think alike yeah. uh, creatively. I don't need to say any of this to you. You you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, so many you things. Know, yes. Yeah, we, we don't yeah, have so to. So now talk. we just go. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. So yeah. now we just go. And even even my, if I may say so, just for your audience members, you know, just if, if they're listening to this, even my writing you and you're responding to me was part of this process that we are, we've begun. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But everything is incorporated into it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I stub my toe up the stairs to your apartment to shoot this and, and I can't walk, that's part of this scene. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing about creativity. Uh, and if you can accept that you're not in control, there are forces beyond you that are taking this, moving this thing forward uh, and just trust that it will happen. You can, you can find some really cool shit. That's a good lesson. Yeah. Uh, By the way, we, are we shooting at your place? Is that what you said? Yeah. We are. Okay. So, okay. so, and that's another thing regarding this project. Yesterday, I wanted to lock down a couple of locations and then uh, there was not for your scene, but like for another scene, I wanted this hospital room and I found it, it was pretty cheap and all that. And then I was about to book it and they're like, okay, you need a shooting permit. And to, to get a shooting permit, you need insurance. And I was like, yeah, that's already too oh fucking complicated for me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fuck that shit. I'll do what I do best. And I improvise. The hospital room is now my room. <laughs> and there you go. Because it's also, yeah, it's yeah. for a trailer. So, um, not yeah. that I don't care. Yeah. This is the most important thing to me right now, but I know yeah. 
there is a reason this all happens. Like there is just no scenario where I get insurance and all that shit for this project. And that means, and so I just like right away accepted it. I'm like, okay, that means I have to do the Daniel thing and just improvise the shit out of it. And it will turn out exactly the way it's supposed to. And I'm good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes, you are. I, I did a short film. And I don't know if I've ever shared it with you. Uh, director, um, very good director. And I'd done a few projects with him. And I will tell you that none of the projects I've ever done with him have ever been released. He's oh, wow. a perfectionist and mm. he never thinks they're ready. and He doesn't want anyone to see them. Oh, shit. So we've done little tiny stuff. Then we did this one and cut to the end. It's the best work he's ever done. Mm -hmm. And I love the freaking movie and he will not release it. Wow. And he sent me a copy of it and I watch it. And I keep looking for what is it he doesn't like. And I send it to someone who's in the business like you. And he said, oh, there's some, maybe some sound tweaks you could do. But he says, I don't know why the guys. And I will tell you that there were so many things that happened on that shoot that just made me furious, mm -hmm. furious. And I won't get into the particulars, but I was just like, God, there was just this and that. And I was aggravated like the entire time. Right. It was nothing deliberate. It was just the circumstances, yeah. right? Well, you see that aggravation in every frame of that film, but coming through the character. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect. And I went, son of a bitch, yeah. there it goes again. Yeah. There it goes again. Yeah. I was pissed. I was furious about some things, yeah. uh, kind of logistical things and um, almost personal, but not quite, but just stuff that I was, and it's in that damn movie. And I mm -hmm. went, there goes the universe again, mm -hmm. sending you what you need to make this yeah. project. Yeah. Uh, so if you can trust that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember it while I was shooting it. Of course, I was just pissed. But in right. retrospect, I looked back and I went, oh my God, it happened again. Mm -hmm. It happened right. again. Yeah. I mean, I think about Solitary I did with you, you uh -huh. know, and the feelings. Tell me the name of the actress. I'm so sorry. Uh, Jody. Um, Jody, of course, mm -hmm. Jody. And I think about when we sat down at that table and I looked at her and I'd known her for a little while mm -hmm. and I started to have kind of opinions about mm -hmm. her mm -hmm. and feelings. And I thought, am I being mean or whatever? What is I was right. thinking, you know, and I started to kind of, and I went, there he is. There's the character. Mm -hmm. Shit. And it right. had nothing to do with anything you told me. Right. It was because you said, if you cast right, they're the right people for the role and they will send off the signals that need to be sent off for mm -hmm. this project. Mm -hmm. And she did. Mm -hmm. She's so cool. Mm -hmm. And I just responded yeah. to that. That's and awesome. it wasn't what I had planned. Right. I hadn't planned on having that because I have a lot of attitude towards her in that thing. And it's kind of mean yeah, when yeah, I look yeah. at it. It's kind of like, what a son of a bitch. But that came up. And so I said, that's where we go. And you said, that's working for me. Mm -hmm. If you had said no, I would have changed it. Yeah. But you seem to be okay with it. And yeah. there it was. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of film because you have a very short amount of time to find the scene. If you're in a play, you have six weeks of rehearsal. Right. Six weeks. And you go, why would you need six weeks to rehearse a play, but only you only get like 20 minutes to rehearse a film scene because it's a different game. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're going to have to do that play performance eight times a week. Yeah. Whereas the film, you're going to have to just create it a few times and then you'll move on. You'll forget you even did it. Right. So you can get away with that. On it, You can get away with the instinct. Yeah. Um, you just, again, you got to go with whatever. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that that's crazy though that the director never releases his, his stuff because like, and I think, I think for me it's easier because I'm involved in the entire process. I write something and then I shoot it. And in order to move forward, I need to edit. And in, more, in order to do the sound design, I need the edit to be done. So I always have to reach the point where I'm like, okay, because I want to get it done, you know, like that's ultimately why, I'm, why I do this. So that's why I think that helped me a lot that I do all the steps myself. So I 
kind of practiced or I kind of learned how to reach the point of like, yes, I can tweak this for another seven weeks and get the <laughs> next 5% out of it. But this is already <laughs> great, you know, and, yeah. and, and the shit Good I... Good for you. No, it's, it's, it's important. And uh, I think the stuff that I do learn, then I'll do better next time. Um, but it's always a time capsule for me, you know, and, and also the moment I finish something, I become a consumer. I don't analyze my shit at all. Like I look at stuff I did 10 years ago and I'm still as proud of it. I, I don't cringe or whatever, because how could I? It's Good a part, for you. It's a part of me. How can I, you know what I mean? Like, and it's more that I look at it and I'm like, oh, look how far I've come from that point, you know, but, but to get here, that point was important. And yeah, and I think that's that's I don't want to say mature because that's not the word, but that it's very self-aware, it's very evolved. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Very enlightened of you to take that perspective because you have to allow for there to be frayed edges on yeah, pieces. Absolutely. You have to allow for there to be broken sections and cracks. Yep. That's the process. Yep. You know, I sent in an audition last week and I so want this job and mm -hmm. I, I I worked on it half a day. It was yep. like four scenes and on a, and I had to edit it and everything. And I got it to where I wanted it. And uh, I sent it to my agent and then I looked at it and one of the title cards was messed up. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of errors. Right. And one of the volume levels, cause I was in a hurry to get it in. Mm -hmm. And one of the volume levels on the different scenes was lower than the others. Yeah. And I started obsessing on it. I mm -hmm. started obsessing on it cause it's like, oh no, it's gotta be perfect. And I got up at like six in the morning and to, to change it, to see if I could make the changes before he submitted it. Then I talked to him a couple of days later and he had submitted it as soon as he got it. All right. So they got the, the right. version. And then I thought, you know what? God damn it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Send it with the boo-boos. I mean, you know, I mean, that's the process. And yeah. and I felt so much better when I, I finally said, yeah, that was it. That was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. mistake I made right there. Yeah. And, and just move on. Exactly. Just move on. Letting you know? go is probably the biggest most challenging thing we have to learn, but also the most freeing thing. Yeah. You know, so. Especially as creatives. Yeah. yeah I always say to sure. my daughter, how do you know your painting is finished? Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. Because, you know, it's, and she did actually say something the other day and it kind of struck me. Um, she said, when my eye isn't drawn to an area that troubles me, mm, when I can look sense. it over the painting and my eye is not continually drawn to a spot, mm -hmm. as long as it's drawn to a spot, I think I can do. But if I can look at it and feel a sense of satisfaction, mm -hmm. I'm done. Now she says, I may go back later and say, I wish I'd done that or this, but right. once I'm done, I'm done. But then you learn from it because we constantly evolve when it comes to that as a creative being. And, uh, yeah, I, I have that. It's so funny because, I mean, I, I do a lot of different things, but with music, I, I have an album coming out called uh, Postcards from the Future. And it's called really like nice. that because in a way, I already know what it's supposed to sound like. Like sometimes I work on a track and then I have to get to know it in a way. I have to drive around the car and listen to it because I'm like, I know something's missing, but I don't know what it is yet. So what is it? Like, tell me basically. And then with music now, it's... In the past, I was kind of in my own way a lot because I, I took myself and the music way too seriously. And now I kind of completely let go and completely trust in exactly that like intuition or whatever you want to call it. And uh, that's why I knocked out 21 tracks and I, I did more music in the last two years than in my entire career before. And because wow. of that, wow. you know. I love that. I love hearing that because every artist needs to hear and understand that, that you can just go, yeah. you can just go and you can, you know, let go when you're, you know, it's done, move forward, move on. Yep. It's, it's, you know, you also like me are, I know a perfectionist, you want mm -hmm. to get it right. You're very precise. Right. So it's very tricky when you're a precise person who has precise, specific plans to also be the kind of person that can let 
mistakes and stuff go or, or not make it perfect. It's a, it's a very delicate balance. And you've seen, you've seen my sessions, these, these scanning sessions yeah. I do. And, and that's what I say is always the challenge. We're, we're very good at putting things together. That's mm-hmm. really great. That's a great skill and it really helps us achieve in life. But we have to be equally good at letting things dissemble. Absolutely. It's of equal value and it's very hard instinctively to understand that because we never want to let go. We always want to hold on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to really know yourself and have experience like you have to learn finally that you can benefit from letting things go. Yeah, letting letting you know? go and then also if there are mistakes, you're like, okay, I know for next time, <laughs> you know, so it's all good. It's the only way you learn. Yeah. But it's the only way you learn. Speaking about your scanning lessons, because I thought that was so cool. You started doing that during the pandemic, right? Um, I think I started doing the public sessions. I've been doing this I mean. technique for 10 years, mm-hmm. but I started actually going live with it Yeah, during the pandemic. Explain what scanning is. And then I want to say, because I think it's so fucking cool that, especially during a time when the pandemic started and you, you were like, okay, what can I give back essentially? Like, how can I help people that are stuck at home to make them feel a little better? So you started doing these live scanning sessions. So explain what is scanning. <laughs> well, the definition as I describe it in the... Um, in the sessions is scanning is the is a relaxation technique which utilizes the incremental release of muscular tension mm-hmm. to achieve a deep state of physical, emotional, and mental calm. So all it is is the incremental release of muscular tension. And I talk a lot about it and I practice, I show different versions of it. I want to start by saying it's something we all know instinctively. I didn't invent this. Everybody has some part of them that wants to, what I call, expand. Mm -hmm. If the universe is made of two forces, contraction and expansion, we all crave expansion. We all want to let go on some level. We all have ways of doing it. So I'm not, I didn't invent anything. I just found a version of it that works for me. And what I always say in every session is if it resonates for you, fantastic. If not, that's totally cool. The reason I like it is it's very, very basic and simple, but you get tremendous results. And so if I could sum it up, basically all you're doing, and if if anyone wants to watch the sessions, go to the the scanning Facebook page, S-Q-A-N-N-I-N-G. It's just a made up word. And I always post my sessions there. Uh, I get I got rid of a lot of sessions the other day. I had like hundreds of sessions and I thought, why am I keeping them? But the last three are always there. Right. And you can watch these sessions and you'll see. But basically all we're doing is moving through the body. That's why I call it scanning, but with a Q instead of a C. And incrementally finding pockets of muscular tension and letting them go. And as you start to get better and better at this, what starts to happen is the, the muscular release is a form of expansion which starts to gradually bring your entire being into a more expanded, relaxed state physically. We're not thinking any thoughts or words or theories. There's no book to read. It's just a physical act of letting go of muscular tension. That's all we're doing. Mm -hmm. There's no explaining it. There's nothing to memorize. It's very simple. And when you do that, releasing the muscles, and you'll see it's gradual as you do it over 10, 15 minutes, a half an hour, your body starts to give into it. It, The the thing I discovered, which I thought was so fantastic because I'm an overthinker, is it affected my brain, my mind, which like a muscle holds on to obsessive thoughts. As the mind released, it let go of those thoughts and I found myself able to come to a calm, still, quiet, empty, peaceful place. Right. That was my goal and that's what releasing muscular tension does. So mm-hmm. that's it in mm-hmm. a nutshell. And, yeah. and you get out of it what you put into it. The more you practice, the more right. you do it. The, the better you get at it and the more balanced you become. Because yeah. in life, what you want is a balance between contraction and expansion. Absolutely. So that's it. 
Yeah, that's it. That's still that's so awesome. Yeah, it's 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 I, it gives me great joy, and and when people tell me that it helps them, it, you know, gives me even greater that's joy. The best so. thing you can you can give people either to make them happy, to make them forget their worries for a minute, whatever. Anything that you can do for people is, I think, always the best thing. Um, yeah. What What do you think at this point in your life? And I think that can always change. At this point in your life, what would you think or you consider your life lesson that you've learned for yourself? Well, you know, it, it kind of is associated with the scanning process because it took me my whole life up till about 10 years ago to discover it. Mm -hmm. And then once I started practicing it, I've never given it up. Right. Because the practice of scanning is the practice of letting go. And right. you said this. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned is... There's so many lessons to be learned in life, you know. Um, but the main thing is the benefit to be gained by letting what is just be. Yep. And in that emptiness, in that stillness, in that nothingness is where the answers lie mm -hmm. and is where peace and joy lie. So work hard, kill yourself to be as good as you can at what you do, you know, uh, Try to be the best person you can. Every day, make a you know a sincere effort. But know that there's going to be moments when the answer will lie in not trying, in not doing, in not achieving, but in just being at peace with being. That's what I've learned, and that's why I share it, and that's why it's hard for me because I'm a very much of an active doer thinker mm. and I'm very hard on myself. I'm very critical of myself. And right. so it's, but I've realized that m the way I conducted myself for the first, first 50 years of my life was on many levels, making me very unhappy mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be unhappy. I, right. I want to be happy. I want to be at peace with myself yep. and knowing that letting go had, had, had a lot of uh, utility uh, has made me happier. Your life Much lesson happier. aligns with mine perfectly. It's almost the well, same thing, literally. Daniel, this is why I say to you and why I say to everyone, we all know the same shit. Right. We just discovered at different at paces different and in different mm -hmm. ways. The first line, the book I based this theory on, uh, Thaddeus Golis' Lazy Man to Enlightenment, mm -hmm. starts with the line, one of the most common delusions we face is that our sense of revolution, revelation is unique. Mm -hmm. One of the most common delusions oh, yeah. we face is that our sense of revelation is unique. And I remember reading that and going, well, I don't want to read this book. If I can't be special and, and know more than everyone else, I know, you know, I, I got to know more than everyone else. Now, if you look at Facebook, everyone thinks they know, Absolutely. right? Here's what you should do with yeah. life. But we're not. We're all seeing the same thing. We're all discovering the same exact thing. That's what's beautiful is that yep. we're, we're kind of all united in, yep. in this quest. Collective consciousness. And uh, yeah, and it's kind of a relief in a way to know that, oh, I mean, not to say we're not each special, but, but in a way, my quest is not unique. We're all right, doing that. Right, You're doing that. I'm, right. That's why you, when you, when you realize that you start being kind to people yep. because you go, he's going through what I'm going through. Yep. She's going through what I'm, we're all going through the same damn thing. And it makes you respect people, makes you be kinder to people. Yeah. It allows you to learn from other people Absolutely. because maybe they're getting there a little quicker than I am. Mm -hmm. It just gives you a whole different vision of life. Mm -hmm. So when that you say that we are thinking the same, I think we're all kind of coming yeah, to yeah. that. Some, you know, it, it a little quicker, a little slower, yeah. different route. Absolutely. God bless us. I mean, that's it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know that there's that we're all going to find it eventually. Yeah, and, you know? and I mean, proof for that is also that 
every time somebody thinks they have an amazing idea, most likely there was somebody who had the same fucking special thought that you had. You're like, oh, I'm so smart for this shit. And then you Google it and you're oh like, oh my God, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've thought something that makes me unique. Mm -hmm. And then I'll run into some other, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 67. Mm -hmm. I'll run into some other 67 year old guy who's talking my ear off about what he knows and what he learns. And he's saying exactly the thing I thought. And I went, shit, I'm just a cliche. <laughs> Everybody's coming to the same conclusions. I thought I was special. Right. This guy's thinking it, that guy's thinking it. Right. And then I went, okay, all right. How many of us think I'll never be like my dad? Yeah, yeah, I'll never yeah. do what he did. Mm -hmm. And then we end up making the same damn mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, or, or whatever. And because we, you know, I think we get a lot of satisfaction Thaddeus Goulas talks about this a lot in his book out of saying, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm me. Mm -hmm. They're that. I'm not like that. We get a lot of satisfaction out of distinct, you know, making a distinction. Right. So we know we're different and unique. And um, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a false pursuit. Absolutely. Because you're not that different. Yeah. And it's humbling to accept that you're not. Yeah. Um, but we all have egos. Mm -hmm. And we like to think we're special, but your specialness is that you're a human being. Right. That's what makes you special. You're yeah. a human being. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Before you wrap it up, what was your yeah. favorite project? So first of all, no, I want to tell you what my favorite things were that you were in. You know, I swore today, I swore today I was going to talk more about you than me because I have these, these, no. these interviews. There's so much fun, but I get so tipped sick of hearing myself talking talk about, about myself no. and, and here i am talking about myself all right go ahead not, not really because we also talked about a whole bunch of other shit you know we didn't just talk about yeah. whatever film stuff or whatever but the yeah. the thing because fear and loathing in las vegas was a huge like was a big fucking deal for me when that movie came out i don't know i've never <laughs> taken drugs in my life but it resonated <laughs> with me so you were in that that was awesome constantine was awesome when i saw you in american horror story that was amazing because my friend Kristen was in the same episode who's also going to be in this trailer by the way um, cool and i saw and i didn't even know that you were on pinky and the brain you were a voice on there yeah that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's amazing and yeah and a bunch of video yeah. games tony hawks you were on almost every tony hawks game and hitman absolution so dude it's just crazy to see my friends and hear them in stuff that i like you know so but what would you consider well, we all want to well it's so great to see your respected peers succeed uh, I'm so happy for you whenever, you know, you, you're moving on to the next level. I know how brilliant you are and I oh, want everyone else you. to know how brilliant you are. And I want everyone else to see that. And I know it's also, you can be brilliant in this business and not be seen somehow, you know? Yeah. And I look at actors sometimes and I'll go like, why did he get all that great? I'm as good as him. Right. Why? And who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? And you mustn't be bitter or jealous because the universe works in the Just way it works. Just let go. Yeah. Just let go. So I'm, I'm very excited for you. Um, as far as my favorite project, I would have to say, I have no choice, uh, Deadwood and playing right. Leon on Deadwood. And the yeah. reason I say that is when I play a character, like I did King Lear and it stayed with me for months. When I did Leon, it stayed with me for years. I could not get that guy out of my system. Mm -hmm. I started a whole Twitter feed that was Leon's ghost, I called it. Did I tell you about this? No. It was just Leon. I wrote his thoughts in the afterlife because oh, Leon wow. gets killed. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you the link. That's awesome. Um, I think it's called, I think it's called dead Leon, dead Leon or literally yeah, Leon's ghost. Yeah. And, and it's all, I just couldn't stop thinking like the guy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop thinking like him for years. And so I, I made this whole Twitter feed. Oh, and finally, awesome. I, finally I, he, what happens with his character in my mind is he finally passes through. Mm -hmm. He's stuck. 
He can't quite leave. Right. He's in so much pain that he needs to talk about the town and what happened to him and everything. And then one day at the very end, I realized, oh, I'm done. And he passed on. Right. And, um, and uh, so it would have to be Leon. Okay. Because for me, the great characters are the ones that you truly become and never stop being a part of you. Yeah. Because then you've succeeded at the actor's job. Right. You have created that altered reality. In, 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 create, in these projects we do, we're trying to create a reality that's so real that anyone watching it will believe it's really happening. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Right. And sometimes you succeed and sometimes you don't. Um, and when you do, and it's almost like you believe it really happened. Like I almost believe I really was this guy and mm -hmm. this really was a town. I never thought, I mean, I'd get paid, it was great, but I don't remember that. I don't right. remember that. Right. I, don't, I don't remember people knowing I was in it. I remember walking those damn streets right. and feeling like the loser opium addict I was and just just the pain and yet the beauty mm -hmm. of being so deeply into that world. So that's the guy. Mm -hmm. um, that's awesome. Uh, I still remember it and I'll send you the link and if anyone's yeah, interested, they can see, because this is Leon, in my mind, Leon's continued thinking right. in, I guess, uh, uh, purgatory. Yeah. basically, yeah. until he finds a way to make peace with what was his life, mm -hmm. his horrible life, right. and move on, yeah. you know? So that's that's the answer. That's awesome, man. Man, Larry, first of all, I'm proud of you. You are a fucking amazing Likewise. artist. Likewise, you too, you too. And uh, you I'm too. so glad that you are in my corner and part of my team. Likewise, And um, likewise. Yeah, and I'm excited to, to shoot with you next week. I know we'll create something fucking amazing and... Uh, I will say this about next week. Mm -hmm something's gonna happen. I know, exactly. That's all I'll say. Exactly. Something's gonna happen. Yep. I don't know what it is, yep. but something's gonna happen. Absolutely. And we'll both be very proud of it. Yep. So that's I all agree. I'll say. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time, man. This is awesome. Uh, everybody check out Larry Cedar on whatever you're on, dude. You're everywhere. <laughs> if you, yeah, they can, you know, anyone curious about it, just go to LarryCedar.com, L-A-R-R-Y-C-E-D-A-R. -R it's got like a ton of scenes that I've done in the past from lots of other work and just that, I, I send people there because then you can see kind of who I am and what I yeah. do. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram yeah. and all that stuff, you know, because I'm old, but I'm trying. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're actually on top of it because, like, I don't know any actor out there who always uploads the new scenes and all that. Like, you're one of the best when it comes to that, seriously. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, my, my, th and I think you'll agree with this. The, the worst thing that can happen to you in this business is for people to forget you that exist. That you exist, yeah. Uh, we're all fighting to be seen. And if they don't even know who you are, what you do, right. then you're, you've got no chance. So right. it's just to me about just keeping your profile up, just yeah. making sure that if anyone wants to know who you are and what you do, they have a way to do that. Exactly. You're, you're yep. excellent at that. You had websites and shit before I even knew what they were. <laughs> so you you got it very early. So that's the yeah. game. That's yeah, what we do. Absolutely. But it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. It's an honor to work with you. And Likewise. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to next week and thank you for letting me babble my brain out here. Like, <laughs> no, this was amazing. And I'm, I'm grateful you took the time, so. Cool. Absolutely. That was Larry Cedar. Thank you guys for listening. And yeah, bye. Polluted Minds Podcast.